You're welcome to listen to this edition of Title Unboxed, but I would also encourage you to watch it on our YouTube channel to really get the full visual effect as we discuss and show the history of various pieces of boxing equipment. Welcome to Title Unboxed. With more than 40 years of experience in the fight game, our host, Doug Ward, will be covering every corner of the ring as we get comfortable between the ropes. We'll talk with both the lesser knowns and the legends, discuss boxing's rich history and current state of the game. We'll also look at today's latest innovations, equipment breakdowns, and insights you won't uncover anywhere else. Join us now as we take a look inside Title Unboxed. You know, even before I got involved in the equipment side of the boxing industry, I was always intrigued with the history and evolution of gloves and gear. I read stories, histories, and accounts of fighters and all of their different training methods, but nothing much was ever mentioned about their equipment, even though it plays such a huge role in the game today. So what I want to do today is take a brief departure from our usual interview format and discuss some facts, theories, and developments that have happened in the boxing equipment arena. Um, the most obvious place to start is with boxing gloves. Uh, when boxing first appeared in the Olympics in 688 BC, Greek fighters wrapped their hands in oil-softened oxide leather strips called himantes. Those evolved into cestuses, which is, is, which is the ancient form of hand covering or the boxing glove as we know it today. They were also made of strips of leather that, that were occasionally fitted with blades or spikes. And how they would use these is two fighters would sit on stones facing each other and just throw blows and whoever fell first lost. As you can imagine, this lasted a short period of time because the greatest gladiators had short career spans and, and, and life. Um, they were more like weapons than sporting goods. And luckily we've evolved from that. Although they've radically improved and evolved, uh, the first padded glove was introduced in 1743. And at that time, padded gloves were, they were not intended to transition into the competitive part of the game. For the next decade or so, the use of mufflers, as the gloves were called, they were kind of considered unmanly. In any case, uh, as the sport was forced to undergo a more structured, cultured personality, boxing gloves uh, slowly gained acceptance. Um, they would have looked something like this. Um, they would have been softly padded with uh, cotton or horsehair, and um, this would have been your modern day boxing glove. And that brings us to today. And where you'll see a much more advanced design, quality materials, and shock-absorbing padding. Uh, and it's really got a greater emphasis on protection and safety. The weight, uh, amount, and type of padding is carefully considered in the design of, of each and every glove. In today's boxing game, training, sparring gloves, and especially competition gloves, you know, every aspect of them is tailored towards protecting the fighter and his or her opponent. Um, that's that. And I also have a side story because I've told this before and I like it. I find it interesting. Originally, most boxing gloves were made out of, again, this type of brown uh, natural tan leather. They weren't dyed until the early 50s when boxing was entering its heyday on network television. And even then, it came about for reasons of function and not fashion. Uh, Gillette Friday Night Fights became wildly popular and boxing gloves transitioned into an oxblood red color, much like this. The shift was made to hide the blood and soften the images for TV audiences and reduce the perception that boxing was, was too violent. So in essence, this change got made just to make boxing more fam family friendly. 
Again, this is our version of it. Uh, these are also made of ox blood red leather and contain horsehair. So they're very much like the, those original boxing gloves. Another piece of equipment that has an interesting backstory is the speed bag. The first documented case of a modern day fighter using any type of equipment to punch in training is in the late 1870s when middleweight champion Mike Donovan was seen hitting a rugby ball that he'd hung from the ceiling. His nickname was The Professor, and that didn't reflect a college education, but his complete mastery of the art of boxing. And Donovan is really a pioneer of tactics and strategy. And he spoke about his invention in, in a book he wrote in 1893 called The Science of Boxing, where he said, and I want to read the exact quote here, he said, choose your quarters in a place where you can have a small gymnasium fitted up. The most important thing is the punching ball. Practicing it quickens the eyes, develops the hitting muscles, and makes a man a two-handed hitter. The distance from the ceiling to the loop of the ball should be three feet. The center of the ball should swing just below the level of the eyes. Punch it as much as possible, alternately with, le with left and right. The style of hitting is good practice for two-handed infighting, and two hands are always better than one. By frequently using the bare knuckles on the ball, it, it will harden the hands and give you a greater variety of blows. I, I wouldn't recommend that, by the way. I regard the punching ball as the most valuable mechanical assistant to a fighter in training. 16 years ago, I brought it into use, which calculated, I think that would be uh, 1877. I began by using an old-fashioned round rubber football with a canvas cover for arm exercise, bounding it alternately with the right and left hand. When the idea came to me of swinging it from the ceiling, and then he goes on to talk about uh, showing it to other fighters, um, and from there his device quickly was adopted by other boxers, and over the subsequent 10 to 15 years, punching bags evolved and took on many different forms. In any case, Donovan's football rugby ball contraption became the contemporary speed bag. It's obviously similar in function. It provides the same type of head target and bounces back, but with the added benefit of a swivel and a platform. With the ball bearing swivels instead of rope, this invention requires quicker reaction time and is geared more towards developing reflexes. Uh, the more modern version likely began in the 1900s when Jack Johnson was first seen using the type of bag, although it was much, much bigger back then would have looked something like this in Johnson's time uh, with a simple ball hook swivel, very different than the more modern ball bearing driven swivels that are faster and require more control. It was originally meant to provide eye-hand coordination, as you can tell in the description in the book, muscle development, and even out-dominance over one hand over the other. But it's now more about speed, timing, and accuracy. And this, obviously, is very different than the modern-day speed bag, smaller, all bearing driven swivel is much faster. And then since then there have been, there've been several, several spin-offs and one of them I actually have, it's kind of cool, it's called, uh, one of, it was dubbed uh, the flying bag or even read of it being referred to as the schlung bag and there are images of, of Ingemar Johansson working on it. And it was in essence a soccer ball, all leather, with a leather cord hung from the, from the platform that you would work and try to time, control and work similarly to a speed bag but without as much bounce or rebound. And then that brings us to the most recognizable descendant of the speed bag, which is the double M bag. And this piece of equipment gained widespread popularity in the 1950s when a combination puncher Sugar Ray Robinson was seen working it with masterful speed, rhythm, and fluidity like nothing else. You can see many earlier images of the double M bag where it looks as much like a converted soccer ball as it does a more modern double M bag, but Sugar Ray really made the boxing world take notice. 
The only difference between Donovan's original creation and the modern day double end bag is that today's bag is attached to the floor by the, a rubber cord, which limits its range, movement, and subsequently creates a bag that better imitates the movements of an opponent. These bags were also initially much bigger to focus on the muscular development aspect of it, and they looked more like this. That's probably about, that's over 12 inches tall, about 10 or 11 inches wide. Since that time, and sizing them down, they've become more focused on helping develop better timing, hand speed, and combination punching. And they would look much more like this. Much more compact and sleeker. Robinson, um, as a classic example, really demonstrated how useful it is in developing rhythm. I love the rich history of boxing, but I've said time and time again, although we're constantly improving as a sport, it's also important to understand where we've come from, how we've gotten here, and what valuable training tools we might have lost along the way. Thank you for watching this episode of Title Unboxed. If you're anything like me, you can never get too much boxing. So if you'd like to watch more episodes, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and our Title Boxing YouTube page.